When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. Hopefully you've enjoyed having some other voices on the podcast these last week or so. We'll continue to do that uh, as we move forward. In case you missed it, just to give you guys a recap and a rundown of what we've had the last couple weeks. Um, last week, Tuesday, we had an offensive preview with Rowan. He came on talked about the offense with me. Then Adam jumped on for the defense later in the week on Tuesday. We had our Big Ten preview with Stephen of Off Tackle Empire, which is a lot of fun with him. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And then today, it'll be solo to kind of preview the game to start. And then after that, we've got Jared Miller on from the Underdog Dynasty, one of SB Nation's sister sites, where he's going to come on and talk about the Illinois State Redbirds for a little bit. If you're like me, not super into FCS football, so it's good to have someone who knows their stuff on to kind of give us a preview on who Illinois State is, what they kind of look like as they get into and, and get ready for this season opener. So the time is finally here. We get to talk about some football. We get to preview some football. And then next week, of course, the first podcast will be our regular kind of routine that we've had in the podcast for years. We're on the Monday, Tuesday episode. We'll recap the last game, recap any news. And then in the later of the week episode, usually Wednesday, Thursday, will be a game preview. And for the next you know, 14 weeks, that will likely be the schedule, of, again, with some people hopping on, always from our SB Nation sister site, um, if there is one. And then, of course, um, you know, one of our site writers to kind of preview guys the game. But for today, it's going to be me to open and kind of just preview this game because, frankly, this is a game that Wisconsin should take care of business if you're going to Camp Randall. This is likely a game where you could, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, get out of there after jump around, but that remains to be seen. That's why they play the football game. So we'll get into kind of a preview of what to expect, what to look like in this contest. Before we do that, give you guys a little rundown of the latest news. We got our first depth chart. We have some injury news to talk about, so a little bit to get to before we get to the game itself. And we'll start with that injury news surrounding backup quarterback Chase Wolf. It was reported on um, this past Monday that Chase Wolf would be out for, you know, there was conflicting reports. You know, Dario Melendez, of, um, he's a sports director in Milwaukee, formerly worked for the Milwaukee Brewers, now a sports director, one of the local news channels, I forget which one, um, which I apologize for. But he tweeted out early Monday morning that he, Chase Wolf was going to be out for the season with a knee injury, a torn meniscus is what it sounds like. Later reports, it was confirmed by Paul Chris in his Monday presser, but the timetable was a little bit more unknown. So Chase Wolf likely going to be out an extended period of time. 
And that really changes the landscape of this quarterback room dramatically. Of course, you still have Graham Mertz at the starter, which you feel good about. But I think you have to start thinking about, you know, Graham Mertz has been a guy that's gotten banged up for a few plays, a few games over the course of his career. If he were to go down with an injury, all of a sudden this quarterback room is much younger and thinner than what it's been um, the last few seasons. I mean, Chase Wolf, really the entire Graham Mertz time at Wisconsin, Chase Wolf has been the backup and has not had a ton of playing time, but much more experience, you know, a senior quarterback. I, you can say what you want about Chase Wolf. I personally don't think he's really a, a quarterback that you want to be going to long term. I mean, 25 career passing attempts, four of them intercepted. I don't think in terms of, you know, if Graham Merch were to go down, Chase Wolf's likely the guy that could win you and get you through a couple games, but is he a long-term solution? I, I personally just don't think so in terms of the way and what we've seen from him thus far. But again, he can come in and give you some snaps, give you some drives if Graham Merch were to go down with injury versus now with him likely out for a prolonged period of time, he's likely in a situation where Deacon Hill is now the backup, redshirt freshman, former four-star kid, big arm, talented, and, and you know, all three of them are learning. All The whole quarterback room is learning a new offense. And, and, you know, Bobby Ingram's offense likely has some new terminology. So they all kind of started at that same point in terms of learning it. But you would expect Chase Wolf to have a better grasp overall of this offense just based on experience. And I can't imagine everything from this offense has changed. Bobby Ingram likely implemented some new wrinkles. But for the most part, I think a guy like Chase Wolf is likely going to have a grasp on that offense better than some others. So... That's, I think, the area where you're a little bit more concerned. If Graham Mertz does go down for you know a game, a couple games, what happens next? You're throwing Deacon Hill in there who's got very little experience. Um, again, a four-star kid, big arm, talented guy that I think a lot of Badger fans, when he came out um, you know, and, and recruited and committed to Wisconsin, was people were high on him, but it's just you don't know, and all of a sudden you're going to be throwing him out there maybe before he's ready to do so. But that's part of football. I mean, that's injuries happen. It's very unfortunate for Chase Wolf, a guy that's you know been you know essentially a career backup at Wisconsin. But he's went in, he's he's put in work at practice, he's put in work in the classroom, he's been all all Big Ten, uh, all academic team, multiple seasons. So a guy that goes about it the right way, puts in his dues, and see him go down with an injury is, is certainly unfortunate. But now for Wisconsin, you've really got a different look in that quarterback room with Graham Mertz, and now. You know, you've got a redshirt freshman behind him, and then the only other two quarterbacks in that room are a true freshman and a true freshman. So you're you're a lot thinner, you're a lot younger there, and you're really one injury away from Deacon Hill being your your guy. So fingers crossed and knock on wood that Graham Mertz can remain healthy. There's been a lot of people that have had a lot to say about Graham Mertz over the course of his career, but right now he gives you the best chance to win. He would give you the best chance to win if Chase Wolf is healthy or not, but all of a sudden you're you're one injury away from him being out, and that could really change the dynamic of this team. So hopefully he stays healthy and and, and don't have that issue, but it's a lot different of a conversation at that quarterback room um, as you go into this season now compared to what it was. You know, you, you felt good about a reliable senior you know, backup, you know, for the better portion of the season and the better portion of this entire year, but all of a sudden, now you've got a, a really big dynamic change in that quarterback room, and we'll see um, how that shakes out as we move forward. Speaking of that, 
as we get into now game week itself, the first step chart was released uh, for Wisconsin as, lo- as well as the injury report. A little odd, Chase Wolf was not actually on that injury report, but their news broke right shortly before that presser. Um, and maybe there was some conflicting reports and they didn't have it out there yet. In terms of guys that are going to be out for this week's game, offensive lineman Tanner Bordellini, that's kind of the big blow. You know, was working at backup center. Trey Wedding now working at backup center. Uh, Bordellini was kind of a swing guy, could play guard, could play center, Was did a little bit of everything, gives you some real depth at the offensive line, him being out. that That's a tough blow for Wisconsin as they move forward here. The other injuries, not super surprising. Cam Large, we've talked about before, has been down with an injury with his leg. Um, never got it confirmed, but he's the same leg that he went down with last year with an ACL. Spencer Lytle out, we knew that one was going to be the case. Isaac Towns in the defensive end little banged up in the leg, and then Aaron Witt has been out most of uh, fall camp, so not a surprise there. And then, of course, the out-for-seasons players, just to give you guys a rundown um, on who that is. Travion Blaylock, which we've talked about at safety. Defensive end Mike Jarvis out for the year with a leg injury, as is inside linebacker Luna Larson out with a right leg injury for the entirety of the season. So injury report, not a huge surprise in terms of a, uh, the tough blow. It is Bordellini there. And then you get into the depth chart. As I said, Chase Wolf was on the depth chart as the number two, but it was confirmed that he's going to be out, so that likely slides Deacon Hill into the number two spot. After that, kind of going down the line, no major surprises really on the offense as a whole. Braylon Allen cleared their charge as Malusier number two. Jackson Acker at the fullback spot. Wide receiver, you're going to have a rotation of the four. Jim Ray DK, Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell, Keontes Lewis were the four listed. That does not list. Dean Ingram. Um, however, I, I would be surprised if he's not, you know, a little in that rotation as as well. So you're going to go five deep, likely at the wide receiver position. So no surprises there. The one surprise, maybe a little bit, tight end Clay Condeff and Hayden Rucci in the number one and two. I don't know how much to read into that. Maybe it's just a situation where Jack Eschenbach is just your other tight end and rotating in. I certainly expected to see him in the two deep, but it's either way. I think you'll see all three of them throughout the course of the season. And it's really nice to see Clay kind of, you know, in that starting lineup um, after that brutal injury that he suffered last year. It's great to see him back in action. And it looks like he'll be getting the starts at tight end. But again, Rucci will kind of be your blocker guy. Um, that's what he's kind of known for so far in his career. Eschenbach, more of just your pass catcher guy. So I would not be shocked to see a, a plethora of those three at the line, or excuse me, at the tight end position. Offensive line. Everything that we said over the course of the last few weeks, Nelson at left tackle, Beach at left guard, Tipman at center, Furtney at right guard, and Riley Malman did win the job at right tackle, beating out former five-star Logan Brown. Brown is the backup right tackle, Dylan Barrett, the backup right guard, Trey Wedding now the backup center with Bordellini going down, Joe Brunner, the freshman, the backup left guard, and then Nolan Rucci is working at that backup left tackle position. So kind of everything we expected in terms of the offense, no major surprises um, that I can see right now. Defensively, kind of a lot of the same uh, defensive line. Rodas Johnson, Keanu Bennett, Isaiah Mullins, all three were the expected starters there. The linebacker spots is where it gets a little bit more surprising. Um, of course, outside linebacker Nick Herbig and CJ Getz is going to be your, your starters there. Um, but inside was a little bit more of a surprise, at least for me. I expected it to be Jordan Turner and Tatum Grass. It looks like it's actually the guy that I personally expected least to be starting um, at that inside linebacker spot was Mumba Njong Meta. 
I just felt like the other three seemed like they were more game ready and, and you know, kind of got more reps last season. But clearly, Muba and Jung Meta has done enough at that inside linebacker spot to get that first start next to Jordan Turner, who I think is going to have a, a really solid season at that inside linebacker spot. And don't be surprised if you see Tatum Grass and Jake Cheney, you know, also working in there. I think, you know, unlike the last few years at inside linebacker, you're going to have a position where you're going to be able to go three, four deep there and, and kind of with this early season lighter schedule. I think you could certainly see by the time Wisconsin goes to Columbus and takes on Ohio State, this could change. You know, these this opening game with an FCS opponent, you've got some opportunities to get some guys some reps. Hopefully, week two, Washington State a little bit better of a team. Still feels like a game that they should win comfortably. Um, and then week three, you have New Mexico State, who is an FBS team, but one of the worst FBS teams in the country. So you would hope that you'd be able to get some guys some reps over this course of these three weeks. So this depth chart could certainly change, um, you know, come week four when Wisconsin goes to Ohio State. You want to have your best 22 guys ready to go in that contest. But for now, you're going to have some guys that really kind of work in the fold. So as I mentioned, to finish out the linebacker spot, CJ gets the other outside linebacker there. No real surprise. Daryl Peterson, Caden Johnson, the number uh, twos there. Like we'll see flashes of all four of them. And then you get into the secondary. A little bit interesting there. Jay Shaw, not a shocker there, the cornerback. Uh, getting the start there, and then Alexander Smith getting the start there as well. However, it looks like Cedric Dort is actually going to be playing in the nickel spot versus Alexander Smith, which is kind of where he really did well last year. Um, Justin Clark from Toledo also in the fold, as well as Ricardo Hallman and Samar Melvin in the two deep. So I think, again, similar to what we've talked about at inside linebacker, you'll see the cornerbacks going probably, at least for these first few weeks, you're probably going five, six deeps at times, you know, if you can. But I think the big thing um, to look at is Alexander Smith being your outside corner and Cedric Dort being your inside corner. Both are phenomenal players and seem like they could take on that role really well. But who ends up being the guy that um, stays at that nickel spot and who works outside is going to be something to watch for. But Cedric Dort, very experienced, SEC, you know, Played a ton of football at the SEC level, and not a surprise that he's going to be, you know, those three being your top three um, doesn't shock me at all. I guess when you look at the, the depth chart and where Wisconsin's at in terms of the secondary, those are the guys that have, have played a lot of football and, and really, um, really worked hard in their careers, played Power Five, you know, with Jay Shaw at UCLA, Cedric Dort at Kentucky. These guys have played a lot of football, so not a big shock that they're going to be your starters along with Alexander Smith, who was you know, very relied upon last year in that cornerback room. So when you move on down the line, of course, it's safety. John Torchio, Hunter Waller, no shock there. Kamoyla, two, and Preston Zachman in the two deep as well. Likely could see a rotation of, of all four of them at times there. Um, after that, the only other really big, I guess, news to take from that is the kicker spot, which we talked about in our special teams preview, Vito Caruso, the uh, transfer from Arkansas, who had been banged up much of fall camp. It does sound like he won the kicker spot and is going to be taking on the field goal duties, which was previously kind of reported that Nate Van Zels, the redshirt freshman, would be taking a lot of those kicks. So it looks like Vito Caruso is going to be the guy for there. Um, and he will likely um, be focused on the field goal duties. Jack Van Dyke or Vito Calruso could be the kickoff specialist as well. Everything else looks to be the same in terms of the returners. Dean Ingram with punt return, no shock there. 
Isaac Rendo at kick return. That's kind of what we projected. And then Keontas Lewis, the second um, kick returner. Uh, more of a rangy um, player transferred in from UCLA at that wide receiver spot. So that's a little bit of interesting um, spots there. But overall, the depth chart really outside of the inside linebackers, a little bit different than what I thought it was going to be. But for the most part, everything that we kind of thought was going to be um, the starters there, um, not really any major surprises from the depth chart. So good to see you. Excited to finally get a depth chart. And now we roll into this uh, this season opening game. As I mentioned, Wisconsin taking on Illinois State to open the season. So we'll get into that here now. But before we do that, I've got to talk to you guys about homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is, of course, a great sponsor of ours. Uh, they just finished up Big New Saturday Season 4, and that looks like it might actually be the last Big New Saturday uh, of the of the home field era um, for them. So exciting, fun time. That t-shirt subscription, if you guys took advantage of it, you got some great t-shirts over the years. But now they're shifting into more of a focus on other things, other schools, school refreshes for so Wisconsin fans. Keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we'll see some new Wisconsin gear. Also working into maybe the NFL realm. Um, of course, home field is headquartered in Indiana, or excuse me, in Indiana, um, and they dropped a new uh, Indianapolis Colts collection. So would be awesome to see them making up some NFL gear as well. Um, but for right now, make sure to go check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself a new Cozy Badger t-shirt. Get yourself a nice um, crew neck. They've got crew necks, sweatshirts, a little bit of everything over there at homefieldapparel.com. The stuff is phenomenally comfortable. I'm actually wearing my Colorado Buffaloes t-shirt right now. I think I live in a home field t-shirt uh, most days of the week throughout the summer. So make sure to check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's get into this game now. As I, as I mentioned at the start, we'll have a... Illinois State correspondent and Jared Miller on to kind of talk about what he knows about Illinois State. But for me, when I was kind of diving into this game, you know, in years past, Matt and I have talked about, you know, matchups to watch, key things to look for. And and certainly as we get into some of these bigger games, we'll likely do that with the correspondent. But I figured with an FCS opponent, we could likely do this one um, with just one person. You look at Illinois State last year, a team that you played in a very tough conference in the, in the Missouri Valley. Um, you know, it's a home to NDSU, South Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, all you know, very quality schools, Northern Iowa. Um, so it's it's a tough conference when you look at the FCS level. Um, finished four and seven on the season, had some bad losses. You know, teams like Western Illinois, teams that they should have beat. But they also had some big wins. They knocked off North Dakota. So they had two top 15 wins over the course of their season last year. So a team that has been in the FCS playoffs before, but just hasn't been able to get over that hump uh, and be, you know, those teams like South Dakota State, um, North Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, you know, those big schools that are competing for championships year in and year out. Illinois State has not been able to get to that clisp and has kind of been overshadowed in their conference by the NDSUs, the Northern Iowas, the, the teams that are consistently competitive in that league. And Illinois State's kind of been a one-off every few seasons. They are extremely, um, when you look at Illinois State, one of the longer tenured coaches there, um, you know, a, a guy that's been there for 14 seasons, really. So this team likely should be, excuse me, his name's and, and head coach Brock's back. Um, this should be a team that's fairly fundamentally sound um, likely, you know, when you're go- you're working within a program that the school that's been, you know, head coach for 14 years, you've got your fundamentals in place. 
and now I'm just trying to getting better at some other little things throughout the course of the season. So I will say the one thing that stood out when you're looking at numbers for this Illinois State from last year, and certainly this is a new team and there'll be new quarterback on the offensive side. Um, when you look at this team last year, the issue for them was getting off the field on third down, especially on defense. Opponents were converting nearly 50% of the time. Um, so you're looking at their offense was, and, and excuse me, on the flip side, their offense just 27% of the time converting those third downs. So when you have an offense that is only converting you know, one out of every four and a defense unable to get off the field you know, almost one every two, that recipe, that math, equates to a really long time of your defense being out on the field and being gassed. So now you flip it and look into this year, taking on a team like Wisconsin, who's going to come out, be very, you know, we know they're going to open it up and, and throw it a little bit more according to reports. And Bobby Ingram's defense is going to be, or excuse me, Bobby Ingram's offense is going to be more modernized and throw the football. But let's not pretend that Wisconsin is not going to be able to come out and, and run the football right at this team and and likely keep the clock moving you know move the chains and continue to keep that clock rolling and picking up first down so i expect this to be a very ground heavy attack early get braylon allen in there get him some reps get him ready to go get ches malusi some reps get those guys in and hopefully you can you know bust off some runs wear this defense down, and then hit some big plays and get that score going early um, because you'd like to see a situation where Braylon Allen is not taking many snaps you know, late into the second half. So that you can't guarantee on that, but that's hopefully the situation where you can come out, take control of this game early, run the football, then open up your offense a little bit and get the ones out of there. Um, you don't want anybody going down with an injury in a game like this that you hope is uh, well in hand. So... I expect offensively for this team, you know, to Wisconsin, maybe I don't. I don't want to say keep it vanilla. I don't think it'll be a case where they're going to keep it bland. But when you look at, it, you should be able to win this game without going to every little new wrinkle in your playbook. You've got a, a more competitive game next week against Washington State. You certainly don't want to put too much on tape for them. And then you've got New Mexico State again. You should be able to win that game fairly vanilla. But then you get into Ohio State, and you don't want to look too far ahead. Certainly not at all the case where you want to be looking a long ways away in terms of this you know, late September. But if you're Wisconsin, you likely want to try and win these couple games without putting too much of your new wrinkles on because you have to travel to Columbus in week four. So I expect Wisconsin to come out, run the football, run the football on third down, convert, get Graham Mertz some confidence in the passing game, get Braylon Allen and, and Ches Malusi and Isaac Rendell the reps that they need to feel good going into week two. And then hopefully this game is put away fairly early and you feel comfortable with where the offense kind of gets to. So that'll really be, I think, the overall game plan matchup to watch. Really hard to say when you don't necessarily know a ton about the opposing defense, but I, I think offensively that's going to be the recipe is, is a ground-heavy attack get guys confident early, and then hopefully get the starters out of there. I mean, there's a reason why you schedule an FCS opponent in your opener is to come out, get guys reps, take control of it, and then get guys out and get them rested and ready for the second week. You know, it's it's just, that's the way it is. Illinois State's going to come out and try to compete. Wisconsin's going to need to come out and take care of business early. You don't want to let a team like this FCS squad 
hang around and get more confidence. So come out, run the ball, run it heavy, get guys in and out, and, and hopefully get on to week two. So I think that'll be the offensive game plan. We look at the defense. Um, interesting addition for Illinois State, Zach Anning said, uh, transferred in for them from Minnesota after Tanner Morgan decided he was going to stay and play another year for the Gophers. Zach Anning said, who had played against Wisconsin his freshman season, transferred over. I think it's a good get for an FCS program. Anytime you get an FBS player going down, you would expect that to really take a hold there and, and hopefully um, have success, but not too much success for uh, this contest against Wisconsin. Defensively, what I'm interested to see is how the inside linebackers fare. I think if there's a position to watch in terms of what you're looking for on the field on Saturday, that's where you want to look at because the two deep is a little bit different than what we expected. It's likely going to be a rotation of four guys, but if you look at it in sort of a competition where you know, it seems like Jordan Turner and Muma and Jong Meta have the starting edge in terms of they're going to start this game, but I do think all four of them are going to be rotated in and get their opportunity to play and win and compete and get reps. So again, when you go to Columbus or or week two against Washington State and then week four against Ohio State, you want to have guys going into that game confident and ready to go. So this game will likely be, if there's a position to watch, that's the one that I'm keying in on because the secondary, it's new faces, but Cedric Dort, Jay Shaw, Justin Clark, Alexander Smith, all guys that are seniors, experienced guys, played a lot of football. So, it's, and and I think they'll all yeah picked up Jim Leonard's system very well. So I'm very excited to see that secondary and what they can do. Hunter Wohler finally getting you know some starting time is going to be really fun to see. But if there's a position kind of matchup to watch, I think it's the inside linebackers and how they fare early on in the season, especially because Illinois State kind of their star player. Running back Cole Mueller ran for almost a thousand yards last season, six touchdowns. He's a guy that you'll want to look out and, and be aware of. It'll be a good test for those inside linebackers in terms of picking up in the run, um, trying to, you know, he's a little bit of a shifty player. So he can be a guy that could not necessarily give fits. I do think Wisconsin will be able to flex their muscles defensively and, and have control of this game. But I think when you're talking about an FCS versus FBS opponent, you expect them to come out and, and play uh, hard and put this game away. But it's still a nice, good test for these inside linebackers. See how they're reacting. See where they're playing. See if they're making mistakes because those are things you want to clean up early in the season when you have a little bit lighter schedule. So that is kind of the matchup I'll be watching in this contest is how the inside linebackers fare, who gets kind of more of the reps, and, and who is able to make plays, especially against the run. Because you look at it, you've got your pass rusher and Nick Herbeck on the outside. You feel great about him. He could be an all-conference all player, you know, all, all-American type player at the outside linebacker spot. C.J. Getz, I think with him being opposite and Nick Herbeck getting a lot of attention, again, we talked about this in the defensive preview, but I think he's going to get you know, a lot of opportunities to be phenomenal this season. It's the inside guys that you really want to see which ones develop, which one's getting reps. So I think in terms of a matchup to watch, which we usually have every week, that's the one to watch is the inside backers going up against this run, uh, you know, a star running back at the FCS level, a guy that can really make a name for himself at that level. How those guys kind of stack up in defending, that will be a fun one to watch. The other thing I am interested in is the special teams. And we talked about the special teams preview. It wasn't good last year. Can they get some of that cleaned up? 
you know, can they put the kicks through with, with Vito Caruso if he's the field goal kicker? That's another thing to maybe look for uh, for Wisconsin. And, you know, as they get into this game and, and being more aggressive maybe on third down, knowing that his defense struggled to get off the field on third down, how often they press the envelope on going for it on fourth down. I don't know if you'll see a ton of it, but it might show you if they're continually you know, going for it on, on fourth down, maybe they're not as comfortable with the kicking game early on. So that's certainly something to watch for as well. But overall, in terms of expectations, this should be a game that Wisconsin can come out and have in hand, get some guys reps, get them in, get them out, take control of this and move on get some guys some confidence. I think that's really what you want to see is, A, get out healthy. I mean, you look at this game, you don't want anyone to have any sort of you know major injuries in a contest like this because you're having to play your starters deep into a game if you let them hang around. So I know Wisconsin's going to establish without wanting to come out early and flex their muscles in this game. Um, but B, you just want to you know, get guys' feet wet and get them out of there and, and take control of this game. So overall... It's an FCS team. You expect them to kind of put it away early and take control of it. But until the game is actually played, it's hard to, you know, you can't guarantee on something like that. But either way, it will be incredibly exciting to have, you know, people back at Camp Randall. If you're going to the game, look out for the new South End Zone, which I know a lot of people are excited about. Um, I, former season tickets, got kicked out of the old area. So I don't necessarily am a big fan of that South End Zone development. I think it was kind of a raw deal for those season ticket holders. And if you're one of those in that section, you know what I'm talking about. Um, But otherwise, uh, it should be a cool spectacle to see at Camp Randall, as it always is. Camp Randall under the lights, the first game should be a beautiful game for weather um, and overall. So I think it'll be a, a really fun night for those of you that are able to make it up to Camp Randall. To finish off kind of our preview here on my end, we'll get into a score prediction I think this is a game that Wisconsin handles pretty easily. Get some guys in, get some confidence built, get out, avoid injury. I will say it will be a 45-3 victory. I just, again, maybe 45-10, maybe a touchdown late. We'll go with 45-10, but I really just don't see this defense having too many struggles um, in this contest, which when it's, you know, for a, an opposing defense that struggled to get off the field if the offense is struggling to convert and and it's just going to be a game that Wisconsin should be able to just keep building on so I'll say 45-10 as my prediction Badgers pick up a nice victory to open this season at Camp Randall all right Badger fans we now welcome a very special guest our first of the 2022 kind of college football season get used to this format for the last couple years we've always had Someone from one of our other SB Nation sites on to talk the opponent. Illinois State doesn't necessarily have their own dedicated SB Nation sites. We've got Jared Miller here, part of the Underdog Dynasty team. If you're looking to get some insight into FCS football, Group of Five football, make sure to go over, and any sport for that matter, make sure to check them out at underdogdynasty.com. Those guys do a great job over there. Podcasts, write-ups, a little bit of everything covering a wide variety of high quality football that maybe doesn't get the attention it deserves, but certainly a ton of great competitive teams. And one we'll talk about from a very competitive team in the Illinois State Redbirds. So Jared, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk some uh, Illinois State ball with you. I'm very excited to have you because I'll be honest, when we were getting ready to do this podcast, we were trying to get in contact with Illinois State media people and 
there's only a few people that seem to cover the team. And we were like, man, we just are having trouble. And then thankfully, Jared, he, he's got a Q&A coming out with us on the site later this week as well. Very insightful because for me as a Wisconsin fan, I don't actually know much about Illinois State as a program. There's not really an FCS school in the state of Wisconsin. So I feel like it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of Division One, you know, Wisconsin football. And then people in Wisconsin are very dedicated to Division Three football, you know, UW-Platteville and all those type of schools. So it was really good to get someone who's very knowledgeable on the Redbirds. So to kind of give everyone a background, what type of program is Illinois State at that FCS level? So, uh, and I think I said this too in the Q&A we did that you're going to publish the written version, but I would say Illinois State is a very, uh, if you're looking at big picture, middle of the road type program. Uh, like I said in there, you can't really call them a have or a have not because uh, they're kind of in that weird spot in the middle. They've been to an FCS title game back in 2014, uh, didn't win it, but since then, they really haven't done anything major on the national scene to make waves, I guess. I mean, they've had some playoff trips. They've gone as far as the quarterfinals in the FCS a couple times. But largely speaking, they're kind of a tried and true little brother, quote unquote, team. And I, I don't always like using that term, but with this team, it feels very applicable because they play in that Missouri Valley Conference. So for all of uh, your listeners out there that might not know a lot about the FCS, you probably know about North Dakota State, the Bison, and uh, or Bison. I need to get that right or I'll hear about that. <laughs> uh, but they play in the same conference as NDSU, and so they're kind of always living in that shadow. I think that's, yeah, that's a great, very insightful spot because I know Missouri Valley, I know listeners probably pay close attention to Missouri Valley basketball because it's such a competitive conference and, and it always – as competitive teams, but that football conference seems to be as strong as any in that FCS level. I asked this one in the write-up as well, but I think your answer, and it was so perfect, I want to share it with the podcast listeners. If you could compare Illinois State to one FBS program, who would who would you kind of compare them to? So when, when I first saw that question, that was definitely a thinker, and I had to <laughs> pause, pause on that one for a while, but I went with Missouri. I went with the Tigers. Because for some of the same reasons I just said there, um, you think of Mizzou and they play in the SEC, right? The big sexy conference, but they're always kind of second fiddle, it feels like. Even when they had their really great year, which coincidentally happened to be in 2014, the same year that these Redbirds had their uh, probably their best season in school history, Missouri made it to the SEC championship that year. And who did they lose to? They got railroaded by Alabama. And I drew that comparison because that same year, Illinois State made it to the FCS championship and fate would have it that they ran into their conference mates in North Dakota State and the Bison edged them out. So uh, living in that shadow, I thought that Missouri was a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I really like that one. Does that kind of make the MVC, the SEC of the FCS? I mean, that's that's a lot of acronyms, but. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a good question. If you want to go with the trophies, I think you have to say it's the MVC, right? I mean, the Bison alone have won nine of the last 11. So it's a dynasty unlike anything we've seen in sports, really. But, you know, an argument could be made that the Big Sky is getting there, too. It's a very top-heavy FCS conference. Um, the CAA always kind of hangs around. But as far as the SEC goes, yeah, I'd say the Missouri Valley is probably uh, the most SEC-like conference right now in the FCS. 
Well, there you go. Hopefully that gives the listeners kind of a glimpse of what Illinois State is a little bit. Getting into the actual team now, you know, you mentioned it. It seems like they're a team, you know, one of the longer tenured coaches in FCS, from what I gathered, seemed like fundamentally they've been a program that, you know, anytime you have a coach that's there for, you know, over a decade, you kind of have the fundamentals of a program that you can build stuff on. So a few things can click right there. So what is kind of the coaching style of Illinois State with all the experience that they have on that staff? Yeah, so uh, head coach Brock Spack, this is going to be his 14th season now with the Redbirds. Uh, he is, like you said, one of the more tenured coaches in the subdivision. Uh, he's a defensive-minded guy. Before he came over to Illinois State, he was the defensive coordinator at Purdue uh, where a long time ago he served as a graduate assistant as well. So he's a defensive-minded guy. Um, but as far as coaching style, what you'll see a lot out of this Redbirds team is uh, not, not only a focus on defense, but they're going to run the ball a lot more than they pass it. Um, and, and the passing game, you know, now with the transfer quarterback that I'm sure we'll get into in a second, uh, will probably – take a step up but they ran the ball a lot last year and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of the same again in 2022. Last year you know you talk about Illinois State four and seven record seemed like a program that was really in when you look at their box scores from last year in every game just kind of either had struggles closing out games or just couldn't find a way to win some big games but they did have two upsets of top 15 teams so it seems like they were close to being maybe closer to where they want to be. So was there any reason in particular for kind of the up and down and disparity with this team last year? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of things you could point to. Um, you know, I, I said it in that written Q and a, we did too, that that four and seven record was not quite indicative of what this team was last year. Uh, they had those two wins over South Dakota and you and I, both ranked at the time, both ended up being playoff teams last year. So those are quality wins. And then down the stretch toward the end of the season, uh, the Redbirds lost three games by uh, a touchdown or less toward, toward the end there. So that record could have easily been flipped if some things go their way, but there was a lot more than luck that goes into to why that was. Um, Illinois state was one of the, uh, one of the worst teams last year in the FCS as far as getting off the field defensively, uh, their average time of possession in ball games was under 27 minutes. And that's, that's really not a recipe for success, asking the defense to be out there as much as they were. Um, but at the same time, you had that defense do some really good things. They, they only gave up not even 140 uh, rushing yards per game. They were pretty good on the ground. So there was, bright spots and dim spots. And that I think is what really contributed to that uh, kind of fluctuating season that you saw that roller coaster of uh, impressive wins and head scratching losses. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, getting off the field on third, going up against a team like Wisconsin, you would imagine a, a run heavy attack. That'll certainly be something to watch for in Saturday's contest. But you mentioned it, it seemed like they were close and if a few things go their way, they can likely flip. Um, some of that record maybe around a little bit. So talk about getting off the field, having longer sustained drives. Are those kind of the main areas that Illinois State's going to look to improve on to try and turn their season around a little bit and get off to a good start in 2022? Yeah, for sure. And part of getting off the field defensively is a third down. They just they have to be better than they were last year on both sides of the ball. 
Uh, their opponents were converting nearly 50% of the time on third down. Well, their offense was doing so at not even a 28% rate. So that's not going to get it done, especially against a team like Wisconsin. Uh, so that would be the big area I point to. And then another area would be sacks. Offensively, they gave up 34 sacks. That was near the bottom of all teams in the FCS last year. Uh, that was a huge part of the offensive woes. So those two things are going to have to be addressed. And I think they have been this offseason uh, if Illinois State wants to be better this year. So you talked about a little bit of the quarterback. We It's probably a familiar name to Badger fans, Zach Anikstead, um, formerly of Minnesota. If you looked at the gopher quarterback room, essentially Tanner Morgan decided to come back for, I th it seems like a 16th year. It's only a sixth, but he seems like he's been in Minnesota forever. So Zach Anikstead decided, I'm going to go to Illinois State, where I believe, if I had this card, is that his brother that plays wide out for them? Uh, yeah, I think so. I okay. think that is his brother. Okay. So, yeah, so he decides to go to Illinois State, a guy that played against uh, Wisconsin his freshman season, started for the Gophers. So he's a name likely to look at at the quarterback position. Who are some other names that Wisconsin fans should be on the lookout for uh, on Saturday night? Uh, yeah, so offensively, look out for running back Cole Mueller. Mueller led the team in rushing last year, almost had 1,000 yards. I think he came up just like 23 yards short at 977. But he uh, he's a guy that can break him loose, and he's capable of putting up really big single-game performances. I think it was against uh, Illinois or uh, Western Illinois or Eastern Illinois, excuse me, last year that uh, it was Western Illinois. He ran for 159 yards and three touchdowns in that game. So he's capable of breaking him wide open. I think his longest run of the season last year was an 80 yarder. So watch for him on offense. He's number four. He's a guy to keep an eye out for sure. And then defensively, you know, everyone talks about linebacker Zeke Vandenberg, but, and he's, He's one to look out for too, but I really like their other linebacker, Kenton Wilhoyd as well. Uh, he's a guy that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes, but this guy, he's got a really good nose for the football. And I know that's such a cliche to use for linebackers sometimes, but he's got three interceptions on his career, all three of which he's had nice little runbacks from one he took back for a touchdown. So you're going to have to know where he is at all times if you're Wisconsin, for sure. And that's really a, a good point to bring up for Wisconsin. You, know, you talk about a, a dynamic running back. It'll be a good test for the listeners who we just kind of talked about it in our earlier part of the show, the inside linebackers, Wisconsin breaking in two new inside linebackers. It'll be a good test for those young guys to go up against a fairly dynamic running back. And then on the flip side, Wisconsin breaking in some new guys on the offensive line to have some dynamic linebackers to go against and make sure they're picking them up and, and reads and stuff is going to be um, important to watch. So I think this is a good first test for Wisconsin opening on a little bit different circumstance than they did last year with that home opener against Penn State. So we usually ask at the end of it, end of our interviews for a score prediction. It's F, it's the first time we've hosted an FCS team in quite some time, so I don't know if it's fair to ask a score prediction, but how do you think Saturday night in terms of a game is going to go uh, between Wisconsin and Illinois State? So what I will say about this Illinois State team, and mostly because of Coach Spack, who's been there so long, um, they're not going to be intimidated by wherever they go because they played in big games before, right? Maybe not an FBS game quite this caliber. They have played 
uh, I think Iowa in 2015 was probably the biggest FBS game they've had. But like I said, playing in a national championship, uh, there's no moment too big, I guess. But as far as this game in specific goes, don't be surprised if the Redbirds start fast. Last year in the first quarter, they outscored their opponents by uh, 51 to 27 total. So it kind of dropped off after the first quarter. But so don't be surprised if they come out of the gates and, you know, maybe land some haymakers early. Ultimately, uh, Wisconsin's going to run away with it, I think. I think Illinois State hangs around for a while, but that second half's going to come around and uh, they're just not going to be able to go blow for blow with them all night. That's the way I see this thing playing out. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly going to be a lot of adrenaline. You know, Camp Randall Stadium, it's an adrenaline for the home team, but a road team going to play at such an iconic venue is, is gets the adrenaline going for both sidelines. So I could see this certainly being a game that is is tight throughout the, the beginning of the game. Then, you know, Wisconsin physically might just be a little bit too much, but that's certainly not a knock. It's, it seems like this is a team that, from what I could gather, it seems like they play hard for their head coach. They're going to come out and, and be excited for this contest. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you, as someone who doesn't know too much about FCS football, is it once again NDSU's year, or is there some other FCS team that you think uh, we should be kind of on the lookout for on the national scale? It's hard to pick against the Bison right now, and this is coming from a guy who is an alum of the school that NDSU beat in the title game last year. They beat up on my Montana State Bobcats pretty good. And, uh, you know, teams right behind them, maybe not right behind them, but behind them in the chase is uh, their rivals from the South, South Dakota State. The Montana schools, both Montana State and University of Montana, all shape up to be pretty good this year. But I have not seen anything recently that tells me that the Bison are falling off at all. Uh, They have an excellent system over there in Fargo, they do everything the right way from recruiting to the X's and O's of a game. I, I just can't pick against NDSU right now. It's it's truly a remarkable program. And you look at, you know, Alabama gets all the attention for winning these titles at the FBS level. But what what North Dakota State does at that FCS level is just incredible. And I clearly it gets a lot of credit and and uh, attention now, as it should. But uh, just a com- incredibly remarkable run for them the past, you know, decades now. I mean, it's it's been going on forever and likely isn't slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jared. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. It was great to kind of get some knowledge in on Illinois State. We're looking forward to the Badgers' first contest on Saturday night. Thank you again for hopping on, and uh, good luck the rest of the season with all your coverage. All right. Thanks. You too, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin.